everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of UGA Sports Live. My name is Roddy DeBulsey. I am joined by Dane Young and, of course, uh, Jim Donnan, the former Georgia football uh, head coach, the Hall of Famer, the only reason anybody ever tunes in Tuesday at noon to UGA Sports is to hear Coach Donnan. We're going to tee him up and ask him a bunch of questions today. Uh, we really appreciate everybody joining us on this particular Tuesday. Sorry, we couldn't have a show last week. I was uh, kind of uh, catching up from uh, being out of town, went down to Orlando to cover the uh, Under Armour camp. And then, of course, there was another Under Armour camp this past uh, Sunday in Atlanta. So back-to-back camps, we have talked to maybe 50 kids that are interested in the University of Georgia, guys that have offers, guys that want offers, guys that want to be players at the University of Georgia. Uh, we have tons of updates at UGASports.com from the recruiting standpoint. Hey, it's February. I mean, the team's about to go off of spring break here in a little bit. But recruiting is hot and heavy. So – uh, lots of updates on class of 2025, 2026, and even some 2027 kids that Georgia is going after. And the coaches, of course, are uh, always recruiting. It's a 365 uh, days a year thing. And we've got updates at UGA Sports for you to check out. But today we're going to talk a lot more football stuff. We had our recruiting show yesterday. So today it's more generalized football. And I guess uh, everybody kind of wants to know about uh, the coaching situation. You know, Brian McClendon, since the last time we were on the show, uh, has uh, – taking a wide receiver's job in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Bucks, And, Coach, I just want to kind of get your overall thoughts on uh, Ryan McClendon's tenure at UGA and uh, what Georgia can do, not who they can replace, but what do they look for? What is, uh, what's the status right now? Who, who's working with the wide receivers as they go through their off-season drills? You know, BMAC did a really good job here both times. Uh, he was very, uh, very loyal guy and uh, – you know, the second time around, he'd had some extensive training outside of UGA where he actually coached at Oregon and uh, South Carolina. He was offensive coordinator. So he brought a lot to the table as far as just uh, not only his recruiting as a knowledge of Georgia, but also uh, game planning, things like that. So he definitely would be missed. But, uh, you know, with every opportunity like that that you lose, uh, another door opens. So. I'm sure there's plenty of guys out there. And uh, from my standpoint uh, on this show, uh, I've just got to stay out of any kind of uh, involvement and guessing who they're going to be talking to because I'll guess for both of us. Don't worry about it. I have a tendency to know some things that I just can't share. And I really don't have much to know about this, but I do know that, uh, you know, it'll be a job that, uh, is highly coveted and uh, be some really good people that they can talk to. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I feel good about the fact that Coach Bobo and uh, Coach Smart have uh, extensive uh, kind of feelers and know about people that they always keep in their hip pocket in case something happens. Coach, when you are a head coach and there's an assistant that comes open, a role like this, is it more that people are trying to lobby into that job because Georgia is a very desirable place to be in college football? Or is it more that you have your list of people that you feel good about or combination of both? Usually there's not much anybody else can help you with because you know who you, you, you want to talk to. Uh, the difference is nowadays you got all these agents working back door and uh, agents talking to agents. And sometimes you maybe find out about a guy that might be interested that you had no idea would be 
the, no earthly idea that that guy would have uh, an interest. So agent to agent sometimes helps you a little bit. But uh, bottom line, uh, you know what you need to fit in your uh, your your day to day uh, operation, uh, the kind of people that you want around you, and uh, and it's a small, a very small group of people, even though there's a lot of coaches around the country, but, uh, you know, coaches watch tape, coaches recruit against people. They know, uh, you know, how you get, uh, you get your resume out there is by doing a good job. I mean, uh, a guy offered me a job at Florida state one time I never heard of that, uh, because I, you know, the families that he and I both recruited against and told them uh, how much they thought I'd, good job I did and uh, you know sometimes those things help out and sometimes uh, you know you gotta just make sure you don't bury any hatchets and badmouth anybody <laughs> that's a good point uh, speaking of the Brian McClendon going to the NFL uh, I was on a radio show the uh, other day with Chuck Oliver and he was asking me is this indicative of the trend because we've seen a lot of uh, Big, you know, guys are head coaches going to take uh, assistant positions elsewhere. We've seen guys going to the NFL, and he's like, "Was this more of a just a, that continuing trend of guys that don't want to be in part of in college football in the NIL era, in the transfer portal era, or is this just you know Brian McClendon gets a shot at the NFL?" I took the latter. I said, "Look, Brian McClendon going to the NFL is great for him. He doesn't have that on his resume. Now that he if he gets that on his resume, that is a good." Just like uh, coming and coaching for Nick Saban or coaching for Kirby Smart, that makes you more desirable. He's done everything at Georgia that he can. He's been a damn good dog. He's played for Georgia. He's coached him. He's recruited for him. He's landed. He's done. He's. I don't want to say he's maxed out, but I mean the only move up he could make at Georgia is offensive coordinator, which is his buddy Mike Bobo or head coach. You know, and if he wants one of those positions, it, like you said right off the bat. He came back to Georgia with experience at Oregon and the uh, South Carolina OC spot. This is, I think, this is great for him. And I, I mean, I remember uh, uh, Lily went to the NFL and came back. And that made him more desirable. Just that kind of getting out of your—I don't say your comfort zone, but going and doing it somewhere else makes you a more rounded candidate later in life. So I didn't think it's—you know—Brian McClendon loves Georgia. I don't see him leaving for anything other than to improve his chances. But you know him better than I do, Coach. So. Is this another uh, guy trying to get out of college football, or is this a guy that says, hey, look, I'm just going to go expand my career? Well, you don't want to typecast and generalize and say, yeah. well, this is the way things are trending. But there is a trend, you know, among coaches that uh, a different lifestyle than what it used to be for as far as not necessarily the NIL, but the portal itself, you know, and, and the fact that, Recruiting is such a – like, you know, you lead off today talking about guys 26 and 27 classes. These coaches are having to work those guys just as much as they are the 25 class and the 24 class. So I think it's just a situation with him. And I, I still don't know that he's going to the pros because he's involved in the, the job at uh, Georgia State, from what I understand. I don't know to what extent. Maybe he's already put that out of the reach. But I think uh, – that's something he was looking at. You know, he was close to getting a job in 2016. So uh, he was right there along with uh, Sean Elliott who got the job. So, uh, but 
conjecture part of the show, so we got to just get that out there. But uh, I, I do feel like that uh, Kirby probably called up uh, Coach Bowles and what, what's his name, Coach Bowles? Um, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles and said, "Look, you know, I took your son. What are you doing taking my coach?" <laughs> <laughs> I'd ponder that. Like, that's got to be a little awkward in those conversations. Uh, but, you know, Roddy, we do need to remember Brian McClendon technically is 1-0 as the head coach at the University of Georgia because he was the interim coach in between Mark Richt and Kirby Smart. Yeah, he did a good job in that bowl game. and uh, He's very, uh, very mature, uh, very, very good on-field coach. You know, that's something I like to watch when I do go over there as a guy, just his teaching skills. It's not so much what you know sometimes, it's what you can get across. And uh, he, he's a very good teacher. And, you know, I think it's so – It's all these people are such uh, gurus about Georgia recruiting and talking about, hey, we haven't done that well in wide receiver recruiting. But uh, the last time I looked, George Pickens starting for the, the – uh, Right up there, and uh, and certainly Conley played in the bowl game, uh, Super Bowl. But and now we got McConkey and and of course Burton and and then uh, Ad Mitchell. All those guys are premier players, and uh, I think we we've, we've done pretty well recruiting there. We maybe they don't have the stars that everybody likes to see, but uh, and then you got people coming up like Bell and uh, who was a hidden gem, but it's turned out to be one of the most all around players in the country, and then. Of course, uh, rah rah and uh, love it, and uh, then the, the guys we've got in the transfer portal. Uh, these guys didn't come here to uh, just because uh, they like Georgia. I mean, they came here because they know they're going to get developed and they're going to get uh, the pro look at them because uh, we do such a good job working one on one against the DBs. And uh, we talked about McConkey when he went down to uh, Mobile the way he wore everybody out because he's such a good one on one guy. Yeah, we didn't ask a lot of these uh, up-and-coming young guys about, uh, you know, Miko Hardman getting the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. I guess we maybe should have. But we did ask them a lot about, you know, what is your perception of Georgia? And the perception is still out there that, oh, they're RBU. But then they start talking about Georgia's receivers. They can name Georgia's receivers, you know, and they're like, well, they throw to that tight end a lot, and they throw to Ladd McConkey a lot, and they throw to Dylan Bell a lot, and they throw to uh, uh, Marcus Roseman Jackson. I'm like, so you do know who they throw it to, and they, they know Mike Bobo likes to throw the ball. So I think that's changing the uh, – yeah, We're one of the leading, leading passing teams in the country the last three yeah. years. I mean, so the, it is slowly changing, but it is changing. So that's a big one. Yeah, thing. well, uh, I, I just think that we're in good shape in our wide receiver room, and hopefully we'll get a coach in here that can uh, fit in with the staff that's here. I think that's another thing Kirby looks for is – uh, you want idea guys, but you want somebody that's going to fit in and be part of the collection of coaches you got. We got some all-star coaches here and in, in every phase. You know, I, to, to that point, I, I do want to give a shout out to Brian McClendon because you talk about the coaching of it, and that's you, you nailed it. When we would get to watch practice, and you know we don't get to watch a whole lot of it, you would see the effect that Brian McClendon had. I mean, talk about polishing off routes and tell these guys counting out their steps and the drills he would put them through. He was a de demanding coach. And I know a lot of people hate to see him go, but I'm like, man, for a guy who's already been a, like you said, an interim head coach. Um, I think he also did it somewhere else too. Did he not? Um, he's he a coordinator. 
might have been at Oregon. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he, yeah was, he was at Oregon. He went from Oregon to Miami with uh, Cristobal. So that's another niche for him. But he didn't stay there very long because he came on here and took uh, took a receiver job when Hankton left. So uh, Hankton's done a great job. Uh, look at the guys he's getting there and developing at uh, LSU. I mean, you know, neighbor, he's going to go in the first round early. In it. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, People talk about money that we spend and how we do it. I, nobody knows how much money we put on these different kids. And uh, it, it's just all within the frame, framework of what we do. But we're not getting these guys for nothing. I know that. <laughs> I saw a soundbite from the Oklahoma State. And I know you don't like compliments to them, Coach, but I'm giving one. A soundbite from the Oklahoma State basketball coach that said that this has all changed so radically in the last five years. And he was saying that he could not have recruited Cade Cunningham to Oklahoma State now like he did even five years ago, saying that if he's getting a $500,000 offer from someone else, then how do you even compete with that, even if you've had the relationship for five years? And what I'm saying is that George is in the better position there to have the relationship, but then also to have some of the, the money and funds and back-end system to do that. And that's still a work in progress, too. But I'm just saying George is in a good spot when it comes to recruiting who it needs to recruit. Yeah, I would just point out this for our fans, and Roddy can maybe uh, testify to this because he just went to all these uh, different camps, which I think is great because you got a good idea to watch them and evaluate them and talk to them. But if you want to get somebody's attention and you're getting recruited, then you're walking down the hall and some girl comes up to you or some boy and say, what co- what schools are recruiting you? If you're in the, if you're an elite player or even close to it, you're going to say Georgia in the first two or three. The same thing with uh, these guys that you talk to on these uh, uh, in Orlando and over in Carrollton. Hey, they're going to bring up Georgia. Even if there's something they don't like about Georgia, they're going to bring it up because that means that they're among the elite players. So, yeah, uh, I think right. that's pretty vivid, isn't it? It is. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a real quick story. Talking to uh, Zyke Helton, he's a 2026 center. This kid used to be 325 pounds. He dropped down to below 250. He had Crohn's and something else that was keeping him from eating. And he was one of Alabama's first 2026 commits. He's the only center committed in the 2026 class. He's their only 2026 commit, and he was raving about Alabama after the camp. He kicked a bunch of people's butt in the camp, even though they outweighed him by 70 pounds. Some of these defensive linemen that were trying to get past him, he, he just dominated. And uh, he's like, oh, I'm Alabama. I'm an Alabama fan. I'm not flipping. I'm not looking at anybody else. And then said, someone asked him, who else is recruiting? He goes, oh, Georgia. And then he raved about Georgia for like 10 minutes. It's a great story. And uh, how Georgia stuck with him before he lost the weight, before he got sick with his uh, issues. And he says, yeah, I definitely want to visit Georgia. I'm sure he's going to take an official visit. This is a kid that uh, raves about Georgia. But you take a dyed-in-the-wool Alabama kid, you know, who is trying to recruit to them, and the first words out of his mouth about any – and the only other school he would talk about was Georgia. Wow. Yeah. You know, of course, the fact they stuck with him. So it's a it's a great story. I don't know if he'll ever wind up in Georgia. I'd love to cover him because he's a he's an amazing story, an amazing kid, and a great athlete. But that was to your point. Every kid we talked about who didn't have an offer from Georgia, they talked about Georgia the way kids used to talk about how they wanted that Alabama offer, or they wanted that Ohio State offer, or Clemson for a while there. Everybody wanted a Clemson offer. 
now the gold standard is getting that Georgia offer. And you got kids who, uh, I mean, Duke Johnson, one of the best players we saw, and won MVP at, at his position, uh, raved about Georgia and, you know, wants to show them what he can do to get, get his offer. So uh, you're right, Coach. It is – if you talk to a top kid, if he doesn't have the offer already, he wants it just from a status standpoint, <laughs> just from a bling standpoint, just from a uh, bragging standpoint. You nailed it. All right, Roddy, people want the names. And so after we chat about Athens Ford and Academia, 33,000 views on the event right now, people trying to find out the names that George is talking to. So we got to get to that. Okay, well, we'll get to that in a second. Let me mention real fast, real fast our friends at Academia Brewing Company. If you are looking for a, uh, a great place to go get a bite, check out Academia Brewing Company. They're in Athens. They're on the west side. They're out there, but close to Athens Ford. They have fantastic food out there. They had a great uh, uh, New Year's, I mean, a uh, Super Bowl menu, a great Valentine's Day special. Back, you know, Valentine's Day, they had the vegan stuffed mushrooms and the ahi tuna with Cajun risotto. So they're always making something for each event. This past weekend, they had the big fight, you know, uh, the big UFC fight on their big screens out there. It was, uh, if you're looking for, hey, we need, <clears throat> I want to watch the fight, uh, the whole pay-per-view thing. I don't want to pay for that. You could go out to Academia Brewing Company for it. I'm glad they did that. I'd love to see them do more of that. Uh, of course, they are a brewing company. They have award-winning beers. They win awards everywhere. And they sell beer all over the place, and people love them for it. Uh, they've been in business quite some time now, so check out Academia Brewing Company when you get the chance. Also, if you are on the west side of town and you need a new vehicle or you need your vehicle serviced or you want to get a pre-owned vehicle, check out our friends at Athens Ford. Truck Month's here. Uh, they've got tons of deals on the uh, 2024 Ford Exped Expedition, $6,000 off. The 2023 uh, Ford Explorer is $4,000 off. There's all sorts of deals going on out there at Athens Ford. They got hundreds and hundreds of cars on the lot, more cars than you'll find anywhere else. But the biggest thing is if you get one from them, it's a new car, pre-owned under 80,000 miles. It'll have a lifetime powertrain warranty. So check them out. I just had some further Yeah. I had to get the ducts clean around my sunroof. The uh, green lines there. I didn't know that. I had to get those cleared out. They took great care of me. So check out uh, our friends at Athens Ford, and they will take good care of you. Plus, they're huge supporters of the University of Georgia. So those who support you. Give me the names, Roddy. I want the names. I, I get, dude, I don't know the names. I just know <laughs> what we did. We started looking at who has connections to Georgia and who – Who has connections? Spit it, spit, it spit it out, spit it out, spit it out. We'll <laughs> Sorry. Uh, look at Kelsey Pope up at uh, Tennessee. That is a guy who uh, – What? look at the, what the wide receivers of Tennessee have been doing. Those guys are phenomenal. And uh, he's got – I think he's started out – he was at uh, Shorter, then he went to uh, uh, Tennessee Tech, then he went to Gardner-Webb, then he went to Tennessee as an offensive analyst, and then now he's uh, been out on the as the wide receivers coach. That's a guy I'd keep an eye on. Uh, also keep an eye on uh, Lonnie uh, Galloway at UNC. Uh, Lonnie Galloway, that because, again, connection. He was coaching with Stacey Searles. So Stacey Searles can uh, say, hey, that's a guy that uh, I think highly of. Or not that I would expect this to go any other way, but uh, he could say, oh, no, I, I didn't like that guy. But it's those connections. That's why we mentioned him because he would definitely be good. Young guy, very, just like Kelsey Pope. Uh, uh, very, very young. Uh, 
identifies with these uh, young wide receivers. Uh, Lonnie had Galloway. Great success. Lonnie Galloway. He's not Lonnie. young. Hmm? Lonnie Galloway, 50 years old. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I meant uh, Kelsey. Okay. But uh, Lonnie, uh, with those guys, uh, his the success he's had um, at, at North Carolina. Another guy that, whose name popped up that I thought was pretty interesting was Jimmy Smith. He's kind of the running backs coach out at Arkansas. But um, that's a guy he can coach everything. And he was big in the – he's big in Georgia. Coached at a lot of places in Georgia. Very well loved. Uh, uh, wasn't he the Cedar Grove guy, I think? Yeah. Uh, Cedar Grove in 2007. Uh, won all sorts uh, – he was the offensive coordinator, the assistant coach, offensive coordinator, then the head coach. Cedar Grove is a powerhouse in the state of Georgia. And then he went on to Arkansas as a running backs coach. That'd be a definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And uh, this is the name that got a lot of people worked up in uh, Atlanta. Uh, Josh Crawford, the another guy who's been all around the state of Georgia. He's coached at Jefferson, Colquitt, Lee County, Valdosta. Then he went to Western Kentucky for a couple of years. Now he's at Georgia Tech. Uh, Georgia Tech fans love Josh Crawford. He is one of their uh, crown jewels in that uh, coaching staff. And I could see Georgia reaching over to him going, hey, we ran into you on the recruiting trail a thousand times. Why don't you come uh, coach at Georgia? So, again, don't know that uh, any of those guys will be the guy, but just wanted to mention them as possible names that we've heard thrown around who have connections to Georgia. Of course, Brandon Streeter is already on the staff at Georgia from Clemson. You know, uh, great recruiter, uh, great developer of talent. He's already Georgia's offensive analyst. He could just step right on back onto a field position. That would make sense. Joe Cox. I don't have him called up here, but Joe Cox has been a bunch of different places with Mike Bobo. He's a former Georgia quarterback. Why wouldn't you not bring in Joe Cox? I could see that. Uh, we mentioned James Coley, former Georgia offensive coordinator. He's now at South Carolina. Uh, James Coley opens up all of South Florida for you, all of the Miami. Uh, see him coming back if you know he and Kirby could work something out. So, there's a ton of names out there. Of course, everyone wants Heinz Ward and Terrence Edwards. Uh, I think the world of both of those guys. Terrence Edwards just got a new head coaching job. So it's a – to your point, when, Dane, you asked uh, Coach about do people – you know, do the coaches reach out to you as a head coach or do you reach out to them? In just a glancing around the South, we found – seven, eight guys that would be good fits at Georgia to be the wide receivers coach or who have a connection to it. You know, Kirby's Rolodex is probably 30, 30 deep. So it could be somebody we've never heard of, or it could be somebody that uh, is on that list. But the last thing I would do, and we talk about this all the time, is I would not worry about Kirby when it comes to assistant coaches. He's had, I don't say he's had any misses, but, He's had some home run hires. I, I can't think of any whiffs that Kirby Smart's had when it comes to recruiting. He, he treats recruiting, he treats hiring coaches like he does recruiting. He goes and fights for the best, and I've been very impressed with uh, some of the guys that he's had here who've gone on, just like you were talking about uh, the LSU, uh, Cortez Hankton. Coach, I, I did want to ask you just about the function of a wide receiver coach and in, in the composition of a staff, because one of the things I always think about when Will Muschamp was hired at South Carolina in his introductory news conference, he, I mean, this was his confidence as a defensive guy, but he said, I need someone that can call offensive plays and coach quarterbacks. 
that has to be a specific skill set for one of my coaches. I need someone to teach offensive line technique. That has to be a specific skill set. He said everybody else needs to be an elite recruiter. And I'm sure that those two positions in his eyes need to be elite recruiters too. But that's when he said it that way as a program builder, it was you got to be able to recruit first and we can work out the rest of the stuff later. Do you view it that way at wide receiver coach or like what technique is taught there that can help a player in college? Well, you better be able to recruit whatever position you go to. You're going to be not working there very long because that, that's the number one ingredient, even if you're a, <clears throat> the offensive coordinator. But uh, I always felt like that uh, I wanted to kind of mesh the, the the core group, the tight ends, receivers, and running backs all together. We met collectively when I would install something so that I got it across and then branched out and let each individual coach go over the uh, techniques involved. But I had my – hands on that because they all mesh together. I mean, you know, uh, whether it's perimeter blocking, uh, backs out of the backfield, tight ends, whatever it might be, uh, that core together works so uh, consistently that you want to have your feel for that. But uh, each head coach has got his own way of doing things as far as the uh, way you assign responsibilities. I know now that uh, Coach Bobo lets the coaches brainstorm and watch a specific thing. Like one guy might be in charge of third and long. Another guy might, which I wouldn't want to be in charge of. Not very good when they're third and long. <laughs> but uh, red zone coming out, all that. And then they put it all together in the game plan. And uh, because you can't do it all yourself, but uh, you're going to call it the game. But um it basically gets back to being if you're the head of a restaurant or you're head of a company, you got to articulate the method, tell them what you want, tell them yeah. how you can do it and then let them do it. We had a specific technique for each position that we would describe what the guy's going to do on each play. And it's written up. And if they're not doing it like that, I want to know why, why aren't they doing that? Because that's the way I want it. So uh, that's the way you do things as a, things as a head coach. It's an interesting chicken and egg paradox to me because Brian Hartline at, at Ohio State is known as one of the best receiver coaches and recruiters in, in college football. And you see the players that he's helped get into the NFL. But I look at this and I say, Lad McConkey's making a lot of people at Georgia look really smart right now. And they're also smart themselves, don't get me wrong. But Lad McConkey's development is something that I think Georgia coaches will be able to point to and say, look at what we did with this guy. And he put in the effort. He did all the work. But together, it just came together, and it was something special. Yeah. In a way, I agree with you. But he brought a lot to the table that nobody knew about either. I mean, it, it's hard to put a square hole, you know, or whatever you say, round hole, whatever it is, square peg and round hole. Round the hole. idea is uh, – to me, you either got enough talent to do it or you're not going to – the old try-hard guys that used to play aren't going to play because there's too many guys that are bigger, stronger, faster that are trying hard. So uh, our development's good, and I think the cross-section of defense versus offense makes it better. And I'll give you – Well, okay, but even – all right, in that case, Coach, within Georgia, saw something in Ladd McConkey that all these other programs did not see. Well, then they're, they're in lies where I think that we're 
in a different stratosphere as far as player eval. I think the fact that we have, uh, by using the GPS systems when the kids come in here for camp and testing them and putting them up against kids that have been here before and seeing what our our standards are, or do they are they close to meeting that? And we turned down some pretty good players that end up going to other places. But uh, and we we were hurt just like everybody was during the COVID year because we couldn't test them, and we we made a few mistakes, and that's going to happen. But you usually don't when you can bring them in here. I, and that's one thing I love to do is go over there in the summer when these guys come in and watch them. Uh, talk about making my mouth water. I'm, when I was over there watching Caleb Williams throw, and James Coley's the one that had that guy in here. And uh, to this day, I feel like James Coley would have gotten this kid here, but uh, we'll see what happens with him on this job. But but he, he, he as far as guys that have been here and recruited at Georgia, he's elite. He's in the top one or two recruiters that's ever been at Georgia uh, in the history of UGA. Wow. I agree. Well, it's, Roddy, it's pretty remarkable, too, that Georgia hasn't had to do more of these assistant coaching searches. It's been a, a staff that has stayed together, and when you have as much success as Georgia has had, usually the Trey Scotts, Dale McGee's, and they may get head coaching jobs or coordinator jobs you know, in the near future. Glenn Schumann, these are guys that have been with Kirby since pretty much the start at Georgia. And so I would expect at Georgia's level, you get two to three to four of these every offseason. And I'd say it's been closer to maybe one or two and sometimes none. Yeah, but at the same time, we only have two from the original staff that are still here from eight years ago. Uh, pretty much a turnover in every position except linebacker coach and running back coach. So, And defensive back coach has turned over four times. So uh, we, we haven't had near the exodus that you would think uh, and for most programs, because we're winning, nothing like what Alabama's had, but uh, put out what now three head coaches, four head coaches, and a major offensive coordinator in the NFL. Well, I think it gets ramped up though with Nick Saban out of the game. All these programs are going. Who's standing beside Kirby Smart? Because that's more than likely going to be the okay. one to lead the program. You're right. You're talking about the evals coach. That's exactly what we're seeing on the recruiting side is uh, a lot of schools who aren't great at evaluations, but have a good NIL program. They're like, Hey, Georgia offer. Okay. Offer that guy. Oh, and by the way, offer him this huge bag of NIL money. <laughs> it's like, uh, and people used to do that with Alabama too. They're like, Oh, Alabama offered. So a lot of people are ready to piggyback off of your evaluation process. And I think if, I'm Kirby Smart to be like, I'd love to offer these kids without them telling anybody. <laughs> but yeah, I do attention that, you know, I never thought much about it. I mean, some guys as well, who's offered you? But if all of a sudden it, that you're recruiting a guy and his only offers are Georgia and Western Carolina and East Tennessee State, you, you think about it a little bit. But, you know, but at the same time, if you feel like he's your guy, I mean, Randy McMichael. Nobody was really after Randy, and it, but all I had to do is watch him run and jump, and I knew that he could fit in. He, you know, he was a little bit undersized, but he put on weight. But uh, usually, if you watch a guy work out, and uh, and he meets what you know, you got you got to like some lady can bake a cake without all the ingredients knowing 
in her memory, she knows what she's got to do to put that cake and come out of the oven right. The same way with a player. I mean, yeah. you, well, you know, if I watch a guy at a high school game that has to put his hand on the ground to get up, I'm probably not going to recruit him because not very flexible. So you're you right. Know, That's the same thing about Dane talking about, you know, who's standing beside Kirby Smart on the coaching side. It's like, uh, uh, I need a I need a wide receivers coach. I need a defensive backs coach. I need a uh, offensive line coach. Who, who's Kirby got? You know, <laughs> so it's uh, or who's Kirby's assistant? And to your point, Georgia has had three replacements uh, this season, but every it, not everyone, but most of the guys that leave Kirby Smart's staff, to your point, are going up. They're becoming head Brown. Brown. I mean. Not many people knew he took, took my thunder, coach. I blew up on that Fran Brown, yes. I mean, and he deserved it. But mm -hmm. uh, the athletic director at uh, Syracuse uh, was at ESPN when I was there, and he, he was a very much one of my advocates as far as helping me get started in there. And uh, he called me. He said, look, I'm thinking outside the box. I want to get a guy in here can recruit. Tell me what you know about him. Of course – I had nothing but good things to say about him, but he was already on the guy and uh, he was on it because of his success in, in the recruiting and the fact that he was associated with Kirby smart and, and the fact that he was uh, could sell that to these kids in the Eastern region of the United States. I'm doing a good job of it. Their transfer portal has been pretty impressive at Syracuse. It probably taking some of that money, Jim Bay, I'm at for basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get my one on coach. I know we got a lot of questions, but I want to mention our friends over at uh, Europe High real fast. If you're looking on the screen there, you'll see a lot of um, uh, the little red dots for the location. And for our audio listeners, I apologize because you can't see this. But my point is, if you are in the Georgia area, you know, there's a Europe High near you, all around Atlanta, all around Metro Atlanta, uh, West Georgia, East Georgia, South Georgia, North. East Georgia, they're all over the place. So you can see there's tons of locations. Uh, you, you can't miss one. And now your pie is actually branching into wings as a new thing. You need to check out the wings at your local location. I don't think they're at every location yet, but they're coming. So if you're in uh, you know, Lawrenceville or, uh, or Peachtree City, you know, East Point, uh, Stockbridge, uh, turn them around Augusta, check out uh, your pie. You'll be happy that you did. And go ahead and order today. Today's a good day to get it because today's double points day. So if you order on the Europe app right now, actually, if you order online and you give an order over 10 bucks, you get free breadsticks. That's, that's a no-brainer, if you will. Also, I want to mention our friends at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you want to be your own boss, if you're sick of your boss, if you hate your boss, and Dane, you don't need to listen to this. Uh, but if you can't or just sick to death, I love you, Roddy. Every time the paycheck comes in, I, exactly. you're, you're the best boss I ever had. Right. If you're sick of having a boss and you'd want to be your own boss, get your own company and you don't have to come up with an idea and you don't have to do all the market research and you don't have to do all that other crap. Reach out to my perfect franchise. There are 3000 different franchises out there. Some that are very you know, low entry points and some that are incredibly hard, but Andy Ludecki will walk you through all that and say, look, what do you have? What do you want to do? How much time do you have? What can you invest? What can you, how much financing do you need? 
he will get you through all of that to the end, and you don't have to pay him a dime. You never do. The franchisees or the franchisor, if you will, uh, takes care of all that. So he's there to get you in the right spot, and he's done that for a number of our readers. A number of people at UGA Sports have gone through the program successfully now have their own businesses. So hit up myperfectfranchise.net. You'll be glad that you did. I know that it is off season for most fans. And so a lot of the Georgia chatter is not even top of mind, but it, people need to realize a lot of the structural elements of college football are being determined essentially right now. And one of those coming today, coach, with what was a six and six playoff, meaning six conference champions, and then the six highest ranked teams next. That's now a five and a seven that was a vote that took place, I believe, today. And so five conference champions make it, and then the seven highest-ranked teams after that. But then also we're going to get into the money that the college football playoff makes and in terms of like media partnership thing. There's a lot of big structural issues with the sport that are happening right now. What do you think it means for Georgia, Coach? Can't help but help us as far as, you know, more more opportunities to get in. I mean, we could have used that last year, 12-team, uh, I think. The, the the model is going to help because you can afford you don't want to lose a game but it doesn't have to be life or death every game I mean and yeah. um, I think the increased knowledge of having Texas and Oklahoma in the league is going to help the strength I could see at least three teams from the SEC every year maybe four and uh, we'll see how that works as far as the money I think they're a little disappointed right now nobody's bidding against ESPN and there's like a 20 to 25% increase, nothing like what everybody thought there's going to be everybody jumping in and going. And maybe these people are just playing in the weeds and seeing what ESPN is going to offer and then jump it up. But uh, it's definitely going to be good, though. And hopefully some of this money is going to go to the athletes. Uh, you know, they're talking about starting something in August where uh, you have sharing of the uh, revenue goes to the collective. So hopefully that will happen. Call that one. I've been saying forever when these these teams are getting $47 million from the SEC at some point, and I know that a lot of teams need that money to run their athletic departments. Like at some point, you just can't have that disconnect where the players are going to say, hey, we're, we're, not getting, we're not getting anything. NIL has been a bridge to that, but I think that is the eventual uh, uh, destination. I mean, you know, football's been different. Another thing that just completely discombobulates me, but – I feel like once in a while I got to share something on this show. The difference in this one kid going to another place as compared to going to another wasn't NIL, wasn't pro development. It was the fact that they said, look, you're not going to be here, but in the spring and in the fall, we'll set it up where you don't have to go to class. So, Somebody's taking his classes for him. Somebody's doing that. And that that just completely wears me out. I mean, if you get to that, that that's ridiculous. No, you're right. With these guys, they have basically – they've been in school two years. they got one year left. They're basically – they do spring, then they do fall. They do all their classes online. Nobody knows who's taking that class for him. At, you know, at the only thing that might keep these guys doing – these guys who are on their third year in that fall semester – is maybe the playoffs. You got to be eligible to be in the playoffs. So it's uh, you're right. And uh, I know you've mentioned this numerous times, coach, but 
Georgia is at a disadvantage. I want the readers and viewers and you know, readers of UGA Sports, the viewers of this channel to understand that Georgia's academic standards, how hard it is to get into UGA is detrimental to landing certain players. And that's not a shot against all players, but those hard classes, my, my son didn't even want to apply to UGA. He's like, dad, I don't have the grades to get in there. And he, he did, but he knew it'd be very tough. He, he loves it at UNG. He's in the core cadets up there. He's very happy. But a lot that's of his buddies went through it. Those classes are hard. That's one of the good things about having Kirby as a coach. He knows what it's like here. And there's some guys we don't go after just because it's poor investment. You know, the guy can't make it here. Uh, yep. And anybody they can make it at other schools. Anybody says we're a homer and we're talking about uh, all these things in Georgia. Look, all you got to do is look at what it takes to get in Georgia and who doesn't get in and who does. And then these kids got to go to class with those people that get in here. You think those classes are set up for C students? No, they're set up for A students. So Dane's a teacher there. He knows. Well, and I'm curious if it becomes that the compensation can go directly to the athletes, which I think it should. I mean, they're the property. They're the icons. People tune in to view them. If that happens, then would they then not at that point become employees of the athletic association and then the university, because I just, I completed my master's degree over the last two years at UGA. I didn't pay for it. It was, there's a program that employees that if you've been here long enough, it's called the tap program. You can Google it all. And then you get your tuition paid for by the state of Georgia. That's what happened for me. If that's the case, then the scholarship thing is out of here. You wouldn't even need that if they're employees. We'll see how that works. I don't know. I think you're going to get some unionization and, you got these these player reps already. Uh, who knows what, what's going to happen? That the guys say, "Well, I like everything, but uh, how you fix for? Uh, how about my insurance? I mean, you're going to have. I mean, you know, who knows what's going to be? Well, and that's yeah. If, if you if they're what's employees, <laughs> if, if they're employees like I am, then you have to get into benefits and retirement and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah. It's 100%. So people talk about college football has changed. It ain't done changing, folks. I mean, it just today, the playoffs have already changed. So it's going it's going to keep changing. Well, it should change with the back 12 You got two teams there now. I mean, oh, yeah, I agree 100%. But that was a point. We didn't know that was coming. Then You don't so. want to see Washington State in the playoff, Coach? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind playing them, but uh... – <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true coach. I love it. Uh, we do have some questions from the dog, Mint Roddy. You ready for some of those? Sure, let's go. Uh, I should have had them pulled up before I was ready. Here we go. Uh, all right, Coach uh, Bush Dog wants to know your thoughts on the potential atmosphere for the game in Austin, Texas. Are there any current SEC schools that would compare? And then Hydrant Chaser followed and said, Would Coach Donnan have ever even coached in Austin? That game with Oklahoma was always in Dallas. I did coach one time in Missouri. We played. Texas at uh, Austin, and uh, at that point, they had a big track around the field uh, beside that made the stands kind of distance from it. But uh, they've put in uh, end zone seating and, and condensed the field and put in turf, so it's different. But uh, it was a good atmosphere, but you know nothing like SEC back like it is now. Back then, this was 1983, I think. But uh, we ran a play on the goal line, and the guy went the wrong way, or we would have won. Why would we even talk about that? So. <laughs> why, why bring this up, Dane? Damn you! Right, coach, I, think, I think it's certainly a 
it's going to be another 100,000-seat stadium place. And in any way you look at it right now, if you look at our schedule based on strength of the teams that we're going against, uh, they've got to have the most uh, – it's got to be the most difficult game on our schedule uh, at this point, along with Ole Miss and Alabama. Ole Miss got a returning quarterback. Alabama does too. But uh, Texas – Got some really good players, and uh, I think maybe that running back that got hurt, I don't know if he's going in the draft or if he's coming back. He will certainly help them too. But uh, they, I think play you're just saying, they play a lot of man coverage, Joe. Way too much for me, which I, I love. You just, you just answered this, I'm pretty sure, Big Dog, too. If you had to pick one game as the key game next year, what would it be and why? I'd say Clemson. And the reason is it's going to set the standard for the whole year. Uh, if all of a sudden Clemson's made that dramatic improvement that Dabo says they have with that five-game winning streak against the teams that they beat, uh, you know, they, they're going to be a formidable opponent to open up with and uh, playing over there at Mercedes-Benz. And the reason I say that, we got some question marks in certain areas that we're going to have to answer, and uh, particularly – depth I mean the starters on defensive secondary and uh, you know I think that'll set the tone and and then you know kind of set up for the uh, first conference game against Kentucky and then first road game uh, I mean it is against Kentucky up there so uh, but certainly I mentioned it before that Texas looks like the most formidable opponent as far as talent on the other team I think Spoken the inverse like of that question is interesting, though, Roddy. If you were to ask Georgia's opponents, what is your most key game of this season? I bet most of them would say Georgia. Very true. I agree 100%. That Because Georgia is the measuring stick. You know, that's uh, no, no question. Just like we're talking about in re- recruiting now, Georgia is the uh, Jordans, if you will, of the uh, uh, getting the offer. That's the one everyone covets, you know. Uh, so when these other teams are looking at what's the biggest test, Hey, we're hosting Georgia, you know, in September. That's our first SEC game. If you're Kentucky, you're like, is Kentucky back? Is Kentucky on an elite level? You know, well, you'll find out when Georgia comes to town in mid-September. So you're you're 100% right. But I do want to point out, the coach said the first game is the number one game. I'm like, and, and you're right, coach. Your your rationale is dead on. I'm not. I wouldn't have said that. If, I wouldn't said that about Tennessee. Uh, Martin last year. That was our first game. That wasn't. But I, I was laughing. It's like, oh, the next game is. But you see how. Our next game is the most important. You see how poorly we played against uh, South Carolina in the first, first half. Uh, you know, you got to be careful. You just think these guys are going to be able to step it up and be ready to go. But uh, we've got an established quarterback. That makes a lot of difference. And our own line is, is uh, really solid. So, uh, beefy. I think receiver core of these guys we added, uh, we're going to be hard to stop. This question comes from Monday morning QB. Are the positions of running game coordinator and passing game coordinator made up titles for pay raises? And if not, what do they do that the offensive coordinator would not do? Well, it certainly helps the structure of your pay scale. If you've got a title beside it, you can, you can, that's a way to uh, enhance your career and also show to the public that you do have responsibilities that maybe they don't know about. But as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, you have different areas that 
that you focus on as an offensive coordinator and you lean on these people like you have somebody in your business in charge of marketing, somebody in charge of sales, somebody in charge of whatever it might be, production. So same way with the offensive coordinator, these people uh, give, you know, make sure that these things are done as far as practice schedule. I think that's something that people don't realize how much time and effort go into a practice every day. As far as a script that you do, uh, you, you're going to run these plays against this defense. You have to have the cards drawn up for the defense to run them because, you know, you got a bunch of scout team guys. You just can't call our defense. It's something different. And you have to have the manpower to do it. Uh, Kirby spends anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour every day after lunch working with the uh, analyst and the grad assistants, making sure that every drill is staffed with the amount of people that they need to make it successful. Sometimes it might mean an offensive coach leaving his position to go help the defense or a defensive coach because helping the offense because Kirby thinks that's the most salient thing about the practice in that part. So practice organization is critical and having a running game guy and a passing game guy helps you do these scripts and sets it up based on the game plan. Did not know any of that. Thank you, Coach. One of those off-field assistants, let's give a shout-out to Prather Hudson getting the bump to graduate assistant after being in quality control, former Georgia running back. I covered him at Brookstone High School in Columbus. But I, I think and then we got uh, Erickson coming back, who will be huge. He's a great technician, one of the best technicians. You know, he can play guard center, uh, and he really has good feet, good footwork. He'll help those young linemen working on the side. That's a big, big lick for us getting him back here. I love it. Uh, Roddy, questions from your end? Yeah, we had uh, this one uh, was from uh, Dog O'Clock. He says, what is the likelihood that we flip Juju Lewis from USC? Uh, we saw Juju Lewis this past Sunday in Carrollton. He's the uh, uh, he was the 2020. He was a sophomore, but he's reclassified as a junior and after his um uh, he moved up, so he will next year. He will be a senior, uh, so he's a junior now. Will be a senior next year. Getting Juju Lewis, he's the number two player in the nation, the number one quarterback in this upcoming class. I'll put it to you this way: What's the likelihood? I don't know, but I do know that of everybody we spoke to, the only school that seems to be in the running to flip him right now would be Georgia. So, I'll, I'll I just feel like that uh, the fact that he continues to be so open as far as his recruitment, you know, as compared to a guy saying, I'm going to, I'm dyed in the wool. This is it. I'm not going to visit anywhere. I mean, uh, he's got every reason to come to Georgia. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. There you go. We'll clip that sound bite. Hang on to it. Hopefully that we're able to point out another uh, Coach Don and Nostradamus type. Uh, I, mean, I don't know enough about this situation, but why would you go to USC right now? I mean, all that luster's off the. I mean, the blooms off the rose off out there. I mean, oh, you're right. They're, they're fighting for their life just to be better in in the city of Los Angeles. I mean, uh, he's certainly a quarterback guru, that's for sure. But I, I just, not a great surrounding cast. Uh, here's a question for you, Coach. I, I like this one. It's from uh, Suzera, S-U-Z-Z-E-R-A, or maybe Suzera. Says, is, that, the is that Suzy Q? You know, 
<laughs> what a great song. Uh, will the loss of Brian McClendon, will the loss of Brian McClendon send more Georgia wide receivers into the portal? Do they now get 30 days inside? They don't get 30 days. Uh, you do that when you lose a head coach, but, uh, and you know, maybe there might be one guy that has, uh, 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 an unbelievable uh, relationship, and and but all of a sudden, new coach he doesn't fit well with. But I, I don't I don't see that being a problem. I just really don't. Uh, particularly in the fact that so many of our guys are portal guys anyhow, and hard to go to that second place, third place. I mean, that's a good point. Uh, Michael MC says, where do you see Georgia defense getting better this year? Where do you see it getting worse? Georgia's – say that again. Uh, Michael MC, where do you see Georgia's defense getting better this year? Where do you see it getting worse? I think you get significant improvement in the depth at linebacker because of the injuries we had and the guys that got to play and the new influx of talent we got. I think secondary-wise, we might not be quite as solid as we were, but we're going to be maybe more athletic with some of these additions we're bringing in and the guys that have experience. So uh, defensive front should be, you know, very good. Uh, as far as being worse, uh, maybe our points per game might not be as good because we'll be beating everybody so bad that second half people will be able to get in there and score. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's a good one. Uh, uh, Dog in France, who's always always sends in the questions, will ask for him on Facebook. Uh, said, "Are there any other coaches looking? Or any other Georgia coaches looking to leave for the NFL?" I think you always keep your door open and look at uh, how you can enhance your career. But I think at this point, most NFL jobs are pretty much closed because all the head coaches have been named and they. They got their staffs together, and uh, I don't see anything happening. But, you know, stranger things that have, have happened. I mean, look what happened over at Georgia State. I mean, they had two days of practice, and then their coach leaves and goes to South Carolina, and then it opens up. All those coaches over there went to a bowl game and played good. Now they may not even have a job, you know. Uh, so, and then, you know, so people start interviewing. You never know. So. Uh, I don't think anybody else is going to go to the NFL from Georgia at this point. I think that Georgia State job's a good one, too. Like, I think they have potential to be a solid program, especially their location. No question. You look at where they are. You look at, uh, at the uh, uh, way they've been able to develop very quickly from 1A to 1AA to 1A. I thought Sean did a good job over there. Uh we, we kind of touched on this question earlier. Carson asked, uh, will the new playoff rules uh, being five and seven instead of six and six help or hurt UGA? We said that that would uh, help UGA. So I'd uh, say on a scale of one to 10, it'll, it'll be a 10 for us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so Carson, you can't get a better answer than that, Carson. And uh, the last question I got is from Tom to shine, uh, kind of a takeoff on time to shine. I almost didn't ask it. Put him in there because I hate puns. But Tom Deshine says, Carson Beck set a record for completions, but I don't remember him hitting – well, completion percentage. Huh? Uh, I don't remember him hitting a lot of deep throws. We never seem to be on target with Arian Smith or Dylan Bell deep. Was it a receiver issue? Was it Beck? How do we fix it? 
I think early on we, we were pressing and, you know, the timing wasn't there with different guys and uh, we got better as the season progressed. Uh, and he, he felt more comfortable and our protection was better. Uh, that's something we'll, we'll definitely uh, be better at. And without McConkey in there, you know, just money down the middle. I mean, that makes a lot of difference. And then Bowers too, missing the games on the deep balls. And so, but you look at some of those uh, back shoulder throws he threw to Bell in the bowl game against Florida State and some of those goal line routes. I mean, the guy's got a big time arm. He's very confident. The influx of these new guys that we got from uh, Miami and USC and Vanderbilt's going to help our depth. Uh, I think we'll have one of the top two or three passing games in the country. And George's run, George's running game was so injured at the beginning of the year that. Yeah, I don't know that teams had to really load up against George's run. And if that has to happen, that helps your timing and your spacing as well. You if other teams stack the box. Play actions where you make your bread and butter on the deep balls. Uh, you, you, that's where you can, you know, influence the safety or get a guy on a linebacker. But uh, I, I will say this. I've heard nothing but raves about the way Trevor Etienne has uh, blended in with our team. He's one of the guys, I mean, you know, he's come in here with a lot to, you know, on his plate as far as what to live up to. But they say he works really hard in the weight room, does a good job in the off-season program and fits in. You know, uh, when you hear that uh, about a star guy, that makes you feel good because he fits your culture. And that's something that Dell and uh, as a position coach, Kirby's a head coach, really is aware of when he brings these transfers in and i used to speak to, to our people about junior college guy hey it looks good and all but he's got to have some warts why is he in junior college you know i mean grade wise is he gonna be able to make it here uh, uh, you know is he have an attitude problem is he problem off the field so same thing with a transfer but it, the transfer is a lot different now because it's so easy to do it so we've had remarkable success with that remarkable and I, I see uh, us having even more so with the guys we brought in. You know, the D lineman, uh, he should do well. Uh, Pope uh, fits right the category of what we need, along with Dan Jackson back there, special teams and safety. Uh, I feel good about it. Yeah. Um, to your point about Trevor Etienne, one of the guys who worked with his brother, worked with that family when uh, he's a – Georgia fan said, look, I've worked with them. I know them very well. He's a great family, great kid. Just raved about him. He's like, he was just beside himself. Like, I'm so happy he's coming to Georgia. He, he's such a Georgia guy. I've hated him being in Florida because I always wanted him here, and I love the family. So uh, to your point, that's, uh, that's great. Good to hear. Great to hear. That's a double confirmation. All right, that's all the questions I got. Dave. We got time for the joke. Or Let's go. So this man and woman have been married for 25 years, and uh, – she was just always griping about the fact that he was always watching football and never had any time for her and didn't have anything to, but, you know, pretty much self-centered. So she suggested they go see a, a therapist. So uh, she goes in there and the guy says, Hey, tell us a little bit about, tell me a little bit about your life. And she said, Hey, I don't have much of a life. Said all I do is cook and sew and, he doesn't give me the time of day. He doesn't do any. He's not interested in anything except watching TV and coming home from work and drinking a beer. And, you know, he's very self-centered. And 
has no uh, no affection for me at all. And uh, so the guy just stands up and gives this lady a kiss, and uh, you know she reacts pretty favorably to it. And then she sits down, and the, the therapist says to the guy, I "said Look, you see the way she reacted to that." He said, "Yeah." He said, "You think you could do this three times a week?" He said, "Well, I could bring her in on Monday and Wednesday, but I go fishing on Friday." <laughs> All right. I think Coach wrapping the show, Roddy. <laughs> Go fishing on Fridays. All right, now I got to hang up and tell my aunt that joke. She's gonna love it. <laughs> She's gonna love it. It's too clean for your aunt. <laughs> hey. Uh, she, she will appreciate it. All right. Hi, right, folks. That's all the time we have for this week's show. We will be back next Tuesday at noon. Hey, we're getting close to uh, spring practice here. So we'll be long. Uh, let's see. Uh, God, what? March, week? March the 12th or something like March that. 12th, yeah. So next week we're into the 27th and the following week prior to that, after that, we'll be like, you got the, you got the uh, combine to talk about too. Yeah. got a combine. If they ever, Get us credential. We're still waiting on the, the approval of our credentials, which is ridiculous. I mean, the thing starts in nine days, and they haven't even told us we can come yet. Well, you didn't pass a drug test yet. Well, hey, yeah. Well, dude, there is a new FBI contingent to this thing that you have to sign off on. So I think they're doing background checks. <laughs> and yeah, Roddy Nabulsi is, I think, probably throwing up some flags. <laughs> anyway, hi, right, folks. We will see you next week. Y'all take care.